What's up and welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, giving you your decade wrap-up in music today. I'm joined by my trusty co-host, Dave Martin Swagger. Dave, how are you feeling about your, your album of the year and song of the year list? Feeling great, man. A lot of, uh, a lot of tough decisions to make regarding both lists, obviously, looking at 10 whole years of music, all genres. It's uh, You could go about this any number of ways, and I'm sure we both went at it a little differently. But uh, yeah, I feel good. I think I, li- I like what the lists say. I feel that's the most important thing is you got to have a reason for making a list in the first place. Yeah. It's, well, we're going to jump in in a second about how we went about our list. I have never really felt great um, about the, the music list at the end of the year, just because there's so much to pick through and it's hard to compare. Like I never said, heard everything. Genres, right. Um, and you know, I, I usually go about these, I make my initial list, then I'll kind of comb through some like uh, some expert lists um, or some people that I, I like their opinions and see what they have. And man, it was all over the place because music is, I think, um, unlike movies or TV, one of uh, even more subjective. Um, it's just kind of what hits each person. And we've talked about how Sometimes we recognize things are good, but we just can't get past the person's voice or the style of music. So um, there's, it's, it's hard to, I think, factor in the objectivity into these mm-hmm. lists as much as maybe something like movies or TV. But uh, if you want to check out our best of the decade movies and TV lists, go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash nostalgiapod, and also go to soundcloud.com slash nostalgiapod and check out those lists and hit that subscribe button on YouTube um, and give us some feedback on Twitter at NostalgiaPod. So Dave, give me like a general idea. Like what were you factoring in for your album of the year list? Uh, Album of the decade, you mean? Album of the decade, yes. Yeah. Um, Well, I guess it's kind of the same actually for both, but for for album of the decade, I think since we're looking at a lot of times music that's several years old at this point, um, how the album stacks up in your brain today versus when you heard it or even just that year you know so i think sometimes you're taking you're speaking to a moment in time that was really captured really accurately but that moment also needs to i think be worth revisiting today you know mm-hmm. so you've, you know even if it had significance in it's one year if that's you know maybe has been trumped by something later you might want to put that further down the list you know depending on how long your list is of course but uh you know, I don't have a, I don't have a, I don't have any rock on my list actually. But that, I think that that kind of goes into, you know, I think the, the view view of the past decade. It's like there's only a handful of genres I think anyone's really going to consider. It's going to be hip hop. It's going to be indie rock. It's going to be pop, and you know, alternative versions of all those genres. I really don't think anything else is really being considered. Um, if you look at anyone else's list, the most popular, most notable rock uh, albums with, with a few, a few, a few exceptions, of course, are softer stuff, you know, and I'm sure we're going to get to some of that soon, but it doesn't actually surprise me to, to, you know, confirm that I didn't have, choose any rock when I actually did it just because thinking about where the decade has ended 
and my thoughts throughout the past decade, you know, it's like, oh yeah, this is, I think this list kind of captures the most important music that people make right now. So it's a, there's a lot to think about though. I mean, was there anything else you really were factoring in? Um, you know, I, I think something you spoke to maybe didn't name in this way. It's just like the timelessness, um, of the album, uh, there is obviously always going to be um, some changes that you're going to hear just by the way music is made as, as it develops and progresses. Um, but it's actually funny. I was looking through my list and if it, I noticed that I was kind of lumping um, and I'm not sure if that, that speaks to like times of my life or, or what, but like my albums came from, uh, a lot of the same years. So I had like a couple from 2010, a couple from 2015, um, and then maybe a couple that were sprinkled in different times. But it really felt like maybe those times in my life, something about the albums that came out then, or maybe it was just the level of greatness of that year. And I think there's something about reflecting on the the music year and the strength of it. Like I was started to put together my end of year list for this year, 2019, and it feels just less exciting to me than last year in some ways. Um, and maybe that's because something personally in my life or not, but I just always find that fascinating as well. But yeah, I mean, I think, I think I probably went about it very similarly to you and maybe we should jump into these lists. So we're going to go 10 to one. I'll let you lead the way, Dave. Who do you got? Number 10. Number 10 for me, bit of a, bit of a vanity selection. Anderson Pack, Malibu. Good Lord. Uh, comes out at the beginning of 2016. Not an album I heard right away, um, but it did, of course, crack my list that year. And, you know, just kind of, it's not his, you know, Venice was the first big album from, from Andy, but I think uh, Malibu was obviously the big breakout, the big critical breakout, big celebration of that kind of talent. And for me, to this day, it, uh, is still kind of like a perfect blend of like matching hip hop and soul and R and B and kind of that awesome blend that is a lot more common today than it was even just a few years ago, you know? And yeah, I thought we didn't really need to harp on that much, but you know, Anderson Pack, super talented guy and you kind of get a lot of that variety on this album. And I think now, now we come to expect it. Of course, there's been two more albums since this, but yeah. Uh, that kind of that genre blend that is now in vogue. This is probably one of, if not the best example of that in recent memory. So Anderson Pack Malibu. Yeah, that's a great choice. It was on my honorable mention list and just a really, really fun album. And uh, there are so many like specific moments, whether it's the beginning of um, come down Mm -hmm. (laughs) or uh, how it was on so many, how there were songs from it on so many commercials that year. It felt like it really like, yep. Just stuck in people's yeah zeitgeist. So, um, number ten for me. Moving on uh, is Casey Musgraves' "Golden Hour." Nice. Um, we talked about this last year, so I won't spend too much time getting into it. But you, know, you talked about that genre blending, and Casey Musgraves, I guess, is traditionally known as a country star, but she really jumps around from pop to or pop to um, you know acoustic singer songwriter type stuff on here and. Uh, even some dance um, mm-hmm. in some of the songs and 
it, this is also an album that just makes me feel a lot of things. Like uh, it makes me feel sad, happy, um, kind of gets, gets you into your emotions in a lot of different ways. And, um, you know, Casey's just like a great artist and you could probably ask three different people what their favorite Casey Musgraves album and you could get three different answers. But um, I think golden hour is kind of the epitome and, and she won the Grammy for it. So it speaks mm-hmm. to, I think just how the, the industry also recognizes her, rise to greatness so number 10 for me casey musgraves golden hour number nine for you david number nine for me is house of balloons from the weekend this is an inspired fucking pick his first uh mixtape came out in uh 2011 and has since been put on streaming as part of the trilogy of his first three mixtapes of course and yeah this is an inspired pick but i think it's really important because (laughs) This is pre, pre-fame pre weekend. Again, this is the first thing anyone ever heard from him. Uh, we just had the Drake co-sign. We just knew he was in Toronto. You look back at those profiles at the time, and he's, he was uh, very poor, definitely struggling at the time when this came out. Uh, you know, The big hair that he's already since left behind was about to come with this. But the weekend, when he comes out in 2011, you get this, this raw, coke-fueled... Uh, sex on the brain R&B that was really unlike anything else you ever heard and and the production was really important because it's this really uh, cloudy more lo-fi stuff but still quite varied there's a lot of synths on here there's also lots of drums and stuff and again this is pre-pop he's obviously since become quite a different artist not necessarily for a bad thing but just changed um, but I think House of Balloons you look back and listen to songs like The Morning or Wicked Games or The Party and the After Party Yep. And you just remember that, like, this kind of rawness in R&B was just, like, really weird. And, like, actually, like, legitimately, like, like actually saying, like, something with some candor. You know, like, obviously, we've had sex jams before in R&B and stuff, you know, like, but, like, I think there's just, there's just a lot more depth to this than, say, like, Trey Songs, who was popping off at the time and stuff. So, yeah, The weekend. I think this, this is kind of, like, the, the foundational piece for him. And, uh Yeah. A lot of coke. Yeah. A lot of coke has been done to this. A lot of sex has been had to this and not stop yeah. anytime soon. Yeah, man. House of Balloons, Glass Tables is a song that every time it comes on, I'm just like, man, the fact that The Weeknd made this as like one of his first, like, like one of the first tracks off this is just like so unbelievable to me. It's such <laughs> a good track. And the way it switches up right in the middle is just like, you feel like you're in like a, bl- like a black and white like movie or in... Um, I don't know. Just it, it's it's incredible. So, well, really, really awesome pick uh, by you. Number nine for me, um, the Alabama Shakes. Um, and which which one? The self title? Oh, sorry, no. Sound and color. Sorry, twenty fifteen. Sound and color. And uh, man, Alabama Shakes. So, you know, they they come out uh, with the self titled album, as you just mentioned, and you know a song or two popped off of it and people were like yeah these guys they're coming from the south this southern rock band they're, they're there's a lot to love here there's potential that they could uh really be like the next thing you know boys boys and girls um uh in 2012 also mm-hmm. you know popping off in, in that same way but then 2015 comes around and sound and color comes out and you just kind of hear the ambitiousness of Brittany Howard and how she really establishes herself as this creative 
rock slash almost like Adele like singer, you know, not obviously not to that, that same level, but just has this booming voice and this perspective that's so different and unique. And they kind of bring you on this like acoustic guitar driven space thriller of an album jumping around from all different types of genres. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's all rock, but it's at some points acoustic at some points really like heavy metal type stuff. And, it's just a joy to listen to the whole way through. And I think this is one of the rock albums I come back to more than any other from this past decade. And I obviously listen to more rock than you do. Um, but man, uh, the way that Brittany Howard establishes herself here, and then you hear her on Jamie um, this year, it seems like she's just kind of skyrocketing and will be a voice in, in the rock field kind of leading the way moving forward. Um, you know, I just, I'm looking through the song list as we're talking here, and like, I don't really think there's a song on here I don't like. But if I had to pick one, probably "Give Me All Your Love" is like the centerpiece of this album. And I think if you, I, I didn't put this on my song of the of, of the decade list, but it's up there. It probably would be like top twenty for me. It's just amazing. So, Alabama Shake, Sound and Color, uh, my number nine. Number eight for you, Dave. Rihanna, anti last Rihanna album which came out back in the beginning of 2016 been quite a while now um I believe she dropped three records this decade mm-hmm. but this was like you know this one kind of marks a sign uh a, a shift away from Def Jam her acquiring her masters kind of doing the Taylor Swift plan actually successfully several years beforehand and oh yeah that's fine with the audacity um, we have the zoom back up. Okay. Um, yeah, yeah. Oh, and um, the trade for Kluber is Delonte Shields and Emmanuel Clase. Not a lot, but Clase is a big prospect. But Clase on my team. Relief. But I don't know what it's gonna. Yeah, I mean, they're gonna trade Brad Hand. That need to be good. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I mean, imagine at this point they're gonna blow it all up. But yeah, for Jose. <laughs> yeah. Um, anti. Yeah, yeah. Um. But I think Anti, this is actually funny because this is a record that I didn't love when I first heard it. It took a while to actually grow on me. And I think in general, I just really grown in estimation. Like It's, I think, really widely celebrated at this point. But the freedom that Rihanna expresses here on her eighth album, you know, her eighth album before turning 30, well before turning 30, she had been such a product of this the mainstream pop machine for so long and making lots of good music, of course. But this is her finally kind of expressing her creativity while also just making lots of bangers like she's want to do. Kiss It Better, Needed Me, Live on the Brain, Sex With Me, and of course Work, which was, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not the most uh, eloquent song, you know, especially the chorus anyway, but <laughs> billions of views later, it's uh, definitely resonated. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Rihanna's next album, whenever that might come out, you know, uh, it was some of my most anticip- one of my most anticipated albums for this year. Never came, you know. She's so successful with like Fenty and stuff. Who knows if she how much she's been in the studio? But this kind of representing like a new era in her career, and also kind of being a pretty unique, I think, for a pop album, just because nothing really takes a lot of the swings that this album does um, in terms of like vocal pop. Uh, yeah, I think anti. Yeah, another one that I think has continued to rise in estimation since it's mm-hmm. come out. Yeah, really solid album. Good pick. Number eight for me, an album I, I know that you 
like as well. Jamie XX in color. Nice. Um, that honorable fall on mention your list. For me. Honorable mention. Um, yeah, Jamie XX. Uh, you know, especially because the XX were a band that a lot of people were very excited about beginning of the decade, felt like they could really establish themselves, and then they kind of fell off. But the the lesser known member of the trio, the the DJ kind of backing all of it, comes at, in 2015 with this almost like an old school kind of throwback sounding album with so much like inventiveness at the same time. Like it sounded like a real like mixing type album. And if you actually see him live, he actually mixes live, which is really uh, a pleasure to watch. But then there's just so many different pieces to it. You know, like a song like Gosh that has this like worrying, like repetitiveness to it, but then also brings in these like synths in the background at the end. It's like, and like it really just kind of gives you this like spacey type feeling. Um, and then you're jumping, you know, just jumping around the track list, obviously like loud places featuring Romy from the XX mm-hmm. is this like banger of a song about like uh, being at, on this like higher plane with this person that you're, with um i know there's gonna be good times it's just an absolute like party jam like just makes it go um and it's just a an album that really grips you from beginning to end and uh i didn't i didn't have a lot of edm on my song or album list but this was one that was hard to to leave off just because it it's actually the only vinyl uh edm album i own so uh definitely love this one uh, I'm glad it was on your audible mentions. I know we both really liked it. Um, number seven. Number seven for me. Nama, we've talked about mm. a lot just a few years ago. Melodrama from Lord 2017. Did this make your list? My number four. Hell yes. Yeah. Um, Melodrama, another pop album in like a, I think like a, a loose sense, but it's Lord documenting her sudden stardom at the age of 16 earlier in the decade following Royals and Pure Heroin and being able to communicate that journey in I think a way that's really uh, really relatable and easy to grasp people that listen to this mm-hmm. you know I mean no one really can relate to having sudden fame like that but all the other struggles that she communicates on melodrama mm-hmm. in terms of like heartbreak and loss and just changing as a person um, obviously is quite a familiar to more people and you know along the way you have a lot of a lot of bangers once again like green light and perfect places and liability and of course the louvre quite a songwriting uh uh master class you know uh lord another another artist i think just continues to grow in her short career and really excited for what's next but yeah melodrama is something that's really stuck with me and you know i think just really uh you know the magic is still there from you know two years later yeah i completely agree i mean this is the best breakup album of the decade by far um and track to track the the roller coaster ride you go on of you know the uh the idea of like kind of falling in love with somebody and then uh sobering up literally um and having like the relationship fall apart um throughout the album and uh, Supercut, I think it for me is the song I come back to most because I feel like it really embodies that like feeling when you break up with somebody and you're remembering all these different emotions and feelings and 
then to build off the, all these other things, like perfect places as the closer is just perfection. Um, yeah. And, and for her to make an album like this at such a young age, uh, she re- recently said that she was working on an album she was hoping to release at the end of this year, but she took some time off because her dog passed away. Um, but I feel like she's really become a very like thoughtful and um, calculated artist who wants to drop quality things and not just drop things. You know, she comes on the scene with Royals at the beginning of the decade. And if that, it feels like you're going to be hearing her every single year, dropping banger after banger. And she really kind of pulls back and has thought about the, her craft a lot. And I think that's why I feel most impressed with this album is for her to be, I think she was in her early twenties when she drops this and shows so much like wisdom and, um, and thoughtfulness. It's just like, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to see where Lord can go with this. And also shout out Jack Antonoff because yeah. this is one of the first albums you kind of see his, his excellent producer touch. So um, number seven for me, watch the throne. Oh, this make your list. Nope. I did not. No. Um, yeah. Watch the throne. Um, 2011. Yep. Do you remember like your first time listening to this album? Uh, no, honestly, I remember like Otis listening mm-hmm. to the singles and stuff. I don't actually remember much about listening to the whole album. And it's actually an album that I don't really care for the back half nearly as much as I do the beginning. Mm-hmm. And I also made a rule of not repeating artists for this list. So that's why I, uh, uh didn't pick this Kanye record spoilers, but, uh, yeah, I think the highs of Watch the Throne are still just as high today as they were eight years ago. And that's the thing is, I, I agree. I think the the lows are, are very forgettable in this album, but like Ham, No Church in the Wild, Otis. Um, yeah, that, that first half is just like pure cocaine into the bloodstream. And like, you just want to like jump around and like party with all your friends and the music videos I remember too, like watching them, like the Otis one when Jay-Z and Kanye just bawling out or, um, you know, Edwards in Paris when they're kind of like on the stage. And then you have like the Will Ferrell drop in there. From, yeah. <laughs> just iconic. Like, yeah. Absolutely iconic. And just the way it, it totally, and then it, it, that, you know, Frank singing on no church in the wild. Um, kind of just like that, that is Frank. Right. And I'm like questioning myself. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, it. just like so there's so many moments on it and I felt like it really uh, identified or, or just continued this run of, of excellence for Kanye and Jay-Z kind of, um, you know, he he has a, a probably a career defining album at the end of the decade with 444, but mm-hmm. he had had a bit of a lull. So to like have this like this bump for him just felt also so like... Um, exciting just what i just i guess i have a lot of affection for this at, at the time it came out too because it was our time in college and i remember mm-hmm. a lot of like fun times in college partying for these songs so uh watch the throne number seven yeah. for me you know the thing about watch the throne too is ultimately i view it more as a kanye album yeah i think that the uh, the maximalism of kanye is much more present on the album you know look look no further than the cover right, right. um cruel summer a year later the good music mm-hmm. album same 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 motif um the, the chemistry that Jay-Z and Kanye showcase on the album that only people that have worked together for, you know, almost 12 years at that point, like, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's really genuine. 
And also, you know, it's funny, like looking back, uh, who going to stop me towards the back yeah. end sample is Flux Pavilion's I Can't Stop, which was one of those like really big EDM songs of the decade that also kind of came and went like Flux Pavilion definitely came and went. But like, that's another thing like, you know, the, the year later you get uh, the uh, I Don't Like Chief Keef remix on mm-hmm. Cruel Summer. It's the same thing. It's like at that time, Kanye in the post-art twisted fantasy realm really was just in full command of you know who he was as an artist you know his new uh or at least that, that new stage of who he was you know so yeah mm-hmm. uh, watch the throne i mean the the biggest event album until i think uh beyonce started to drop at the end of the decade yeah you know yeah true moment absolutely uh moving on to six six for me is Run the Jewels 2. One of my honorable mentions. Good choice. Yeah, so because I wanted to pick a Run the Jewels record and settled on two. I think two is the best one, not by much. You know, I think they're all great. Uh, really like three. But RTJ2, I think just simply, you know, he's like the level up to the level up. Like Killer Mike, <laughs> when he came out of rap music uh, right before RTJ1, you know, that, that solo album, you're like, all right, yeah, Killer Mike, still got it. In his, in his you know late late period career, and like LP really reestablishes himself by producing most of that solo project, and then you get RTJ one, and you're like, wait, these guys are amazing together. LP still has it as a performer, and as a producer of what True Double Threat, and they're actually just saying things about the current climate that no one else is saying, let alone in a eloquent, musically pleasing fashion like this. And you get RTJ two, and it's just that times ten. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Don't need to belabor the point, but uh, I think Run the Jewels, in a sense, you can view all three albums as one piece and put them all in the spot. But yeah, I think two is uh, kind of the crowning achievement thus far, and we know the the fourth album's on the way. Yeah, when we reviewed RTJ3, we kind of talked about how they might be one of the most underrated duos, uh, which is still saying a lot because they do get a lot of shine. But man, for how consistent and and how much quality they put out and uh the the fact that they aren't bigger is always kind of baffling to me but yeah you just run through this track list i mean close your eyes and count to fuck blockbuster night part one lie cheat steal i mean (laughs) there's just banger after banger on here uh absolutely uh, amazing album and like you said you can look at this all as as a whole but i think this one definitely rises above the other two for me as well so excellent choice number six uh, an album we talked about a lot last year um dirty computer from Ooh. janelle monet that make your list nice. did not honorable mention excellent yeah. choice um it, we you can check out our breakout for it to get our, our longer thoughts but um yeah this is janelle monet uh being prince basically and it's excellent and we talked about runs on albums of songs and from screwed through make me feel um it's just maybe the best four song run on any album of the decade um pink is uh like a one of the most infectious pop songs it's also disguised as like a female empowerment song um yep. i guess not even really disguised just is a female empowerment yep. song sex positive and, you know, you got Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys on the first track. Uh, and you got uh, a lot of really funky and fun 
production on here while also being a uh, culturally uh, uh, a cultural critique of the time I would say on a, on a lot of other parts of the album and it really feels like Janelle Monet, who had a good decade music wise you know from the time she kind of broke out on the scene thanks to big mm. boy to this Dark album Android. yeah um but this feels like she's starting to reach just like the, the her full potential and it's so exciting um you said this was an honorable mention for you yeah yeah um was my number two last year um yeah i think it's now that you can jump in and really enjoy a lot of the moments just from like a pure song standpoint and you don't have to uh think too deep if you don't want to like a song like screwed that's my favorite song in the album mm-hmm. so gravitz that's just really fun song on its own but also has a really i think wonderful message that fits the rest of the album so it was cool to see this get recognized with a uh, album of the year nomination because mm-hmm. you know like janelle has never been a major um mover of album units right despite all the acclaim so it was cool i think you know the coronation really happened last year and that was that was a lot of fun but yeah the dirty computers is is wonderful great album uh number five number five for me is oh yes number five for me where's it acid rap chance mm. the rapper uh album not an album it is a mixtape <laughs> um his second mixtape uh Pitchfork had it on their list, so we're going to go with it. Um, this was one of the first things that came to me when I was like, I need to make the list. What should I pick? Um, you know, this comes out spring of 2013. I think it's the mixtape of the decade in like in a fucking walk, just because in terms of the influence, replayability mm-hmm. of it all. But this is where Chance becomes the star that he is now. But like he earned that by kind of just reinventing what chicago rap is this comes out at like right at the peak of drill music like mm-hmm. chief keef and little reese and fredo santana they're all making chicago drill at the time and people getting gunned down and stuff and then you get this whole other side of chicago where like chance is so cool with those dudes and gets their gets 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 that so struggle it's the same thing for him yet inspiring all this like this like you know, jazz fusion music into his stuff while also making something that's so obviously indebted to, uh, you know, being high. Um, <laughs> I, th- I think, I think the musical legacy is really, really, uh, re- really important, but mm-hmm. I just look back and it's like, this is, this was the chance project, you know, like I had been up on the blogs and like listening to chance for a little bit before it came out. So I remember when this came out just like texting people. It's like, listen to this shit, listen to this shit. And like he, you know, you, you think about earlier this year, it finally got to streaming, got to Spotify and stuff. And it charted in the top five just by, you know, the sheer uh, enjoyment to have that album readily accessible to people that are just prefer to use streaming. You know, it's a, uh, in a sense, I'd say it's probably the master work of chance, uh, you know, creatively it's hard to, get back to that headspace. He's obviously a much different person now. No one ever used that as a negative against him, but I think acid rap really a one of one and also paved the way for this whole new Chicago sound with, you know, I mean, he gave looks to uh no name mm-hmm. on this who since continued that legacy. And of course, you know, the people like Saba and Vic Mensa, you know, uh, that whole Chicago scene is really quite vibrant at this point, but th- I mean, th- this is why. So yeah, acid rap number 
uh, was number number five for me. Yeah, it's a, it's a really strong mixtape, but I mean, if, even if it was like an album, like deserved to be on any any album of the decade list. And you, I think you spoke to it well. Um, and yeah, just a lot of songs on here I, le- I like. Um, Smoke again, probably my favorite. But um, so yeah. Low. I mean, like you said, Action Bronson, Childish Gambino on this, No Name, Vic Mensa, like it's yeah, Saba. It's, yeah, really, really strong feature list on here. So um, number five for me, oh, Twista. Yeah, um, <laughs> which I mean, wow, what was the last time I heard a Twista, a Twista track? Been a while. Anyways, um, number five for me, LCD Sound Systems, This Is Happening. I knew um, this was coming. Yeah, you, you knew I was going to vamp on LCD for a little bit. That was easy. Um, easy call. Yeah, and I, when I originally made this list, I had this, this album up a little bit higher. Um, I think what, what moved it down for me is um, there are a couple of tracks that I don't necessarily love as much as some um, the the albums above it, which I would say are pretty much flawless albums for me. Um, you know, I think I only have three more after this that haven't been talked about yet. Um, and LCD Sound System. So at the the time when this is released in 2010, you know, there James Murphy's kind of saying, you know, I'm done as LCD. I I don't want to keep making records anymore. I want to get out before um, you know I, we we become like washed or or we aren't good that, that sort of thing. And he does like the whole farewell um, tour where he does he like has like the burial on stage or like the the casket on stage at the last concerts very dramatic type stuff um but this album starts off with dance yourself clean which i think i'll be talking about on another list later on um which is just uh, the epitome of like uh new york dance rock um you know in a way like it, it feels like a very like talking heads type song maybe with a little bit more edge um and then it, it kind of goes through all these these different types of uh, emotions and, and experiences that you have either with your friends, with your lovers, or with uh, just random people you meet on an, any dance floor in New York City when you're on a lot of drugs. And it kind of wraps you, you up. You could speak well to that, I imagine. <laughs> oh, well, you know me, a party animal out there in New York City. But um you know, it wraps up with home, which is this really like sweet um, track. Um, and, and uh, you know, they usually have really solid closers on LCD albums, but this feels like such a, a, a exclamation point on what people thought was LCD at this time. Um, and this album, I think, felt like a good wrapping up point. I'm glad they're back. LCD is probably my favorite live band by far. Um, but this album if this had been their last i think it would have been a great way to end it uh highlight of this album for me other than dance yourself clean is i can change which is seriously like one of the most one of the most dancey songs about like begging someone to like stay with you so um definitely recommend checking out this is happening um and just checking out all of lcd's work quality quality band all right dave number four for you number four for me is lemonade by beyonce Honorable mention for me. 2016. I felt like I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan, but felt kind of blasphemous to not pick one of her albums from this year just because of the 
sheer impact that they all had while being great. You'll see a lot of her self-titled 2013 album on lists as well. Even some love for four in 2011. Mm-hmm. But I think Lemonade for me is the, is the, is the go-to just because this was... Remember, remember this was just untitled, right? Yeah, like, we, we got a title to listen to this. <laughs> she references it on the Carter's album from last year. Uh, if I gave a fuck about streaming numbers, I would have put that shit on Spotify, fuck you or whatever, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, was, it was really a big flex to have this uh, surprise drop after she had just surprise dropped the last album and then make you have to pay extra for it by getting streaming service that you don't have or had no reason to get. <laughs> Again, mm-hmm. tr- tr- truly a, a moment in time, the whole uh, title exclusivity windows and all of course with pablo and stuff later but lemonade you know it's like a it's not just a teardown of jay-z it's it's like it's like the healing moment too right like it's Mm -hmm. it's it's kind of everything all at once and like most good beyonce records and beyonce songs it really resonates with her fans and i also have tremendous love for this album for prompting uh, Jay-Z to create 444, an album I also adore. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think pe- people know the Beyonce uh, thing at this point. Don't need to belabor the point. But uh, in terms of sheer impact and sheer influence, this is, uh, you know, top top three easily mm-hmm. in terms of just what, what uh, Lemonade accomplished. And only a handful of ours even attempted to make a work like this since then. So. Mm-hmm. Number four for me. Yeah, it was hard for me to put this album up there. Um, again, and I'm I'm not the biggest Beyonce fan either. I recognize the impact it had, and um, there's there are a lot of tracks on this album I like, but um, I think if I were to re-listen, I would find myself skipping more than I probably would for most other albums. So it's hard to put up there. But yeah, but the impact culturally is hard to deny for sure. So that was your number four. Give me your number three, because my number four was Melodrama by Lord. Mm. That's right. Number three for me is Blonde by Frank Ocean. Mm. Good one. I get made a rule. Only wanted to pick one per artist. And you know, channel for a while I had Channel Orange here. Um, you know, the, the, the foundational Frank Ocean breakout in twenty twelve. But I just think Blonde's actually just a stronger mm. album. And you remember, we remember at the time, that was 2016, um, the anticipation for the next Frank album. Because mm-hmm. there have been teases, right? And then you have the big flex where he drops Endless, a visual album that, that's quite good. And he does that to get out of his contract with, uh, I believe it was Def Jam. And he immediately sells Blonde to Apple, Apple Music, exclusive at the time. Again, mm-hmm. exclusivity windows were still in vogue at the time. But what a time. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Like, people, there's some people that, like, almost like off, uh, or hand wave blonde in a certain sense for not quite understanding what Frank is going for. And I've seen the other side of that where people are like, it seems that the only people that get blonde are the gays and the LGBT people, of course. But I, I mean, I, I still get it. I think, I think blonde is kind of Frank in full command of, you know, just all like the, the, the pathos that is his songwriting and stuff. 
you know, I, in, there's so many moments on this Ivy Nike's pink and white. I mean, Jesus Christ, uh, make love to pink and white once. And like, you'll never be the same. <laughs> like it, 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 Frank is, uh, definitely one of the top artists of the decade, you know, in terms of having a full, I mean, heck, nostalgia ultra came, came out this decade too. Like having mm-hmm. a full, uh, having everyone acknowledge you for the first time this decade and then totally reaching the stratosphere of what you do in the same time frame, you know, like he's right mm-hmm. there at the top. But uh, I think blonde just is just kind of like the, his peak. And, you know, so, I think the, some of the singles we've gotten since then, you know, songs like biking or more recently Chanel in the room, Frank seems to be uh, loosening up a little bit. They have a little more fun, maybe not trying to get truly as granular and as emotional as he has in the past. And, you know, if he wants to uh, have a little more fun, I'm cool with that because I think between Channel Orange and Blonde, we've been given so much. So, yeah, number three. Uh, great pick. I, I'm not uh, as well versed in Frank as uh, you are. So I, I felt it felt difficult to have him on the list, but I recognize the, the impact he's had. And I think the thing I admire most about him is that as like a, just a public figure he he's so mysterious you know he has this like aura about him I remember when uh, his most recent album I, i'm forgetting the name um but when that was coming out there was like leaks that he was holding these like listening parties in these one like single rooms in new york city and people were trying to like just get like re- little recordings like put out it's kind of amazing the impact he's had and um yeah, very interesting artist and interesting artist for the, of the decade, if, if that were to be the case. But my number three, I'm guessing you're going to have this a little bit higher than me. Um, it's Pimp a Butterfly by Kendrick Lamar. Two for me. I figured it was, it was close. Um, yeah, so to Pimp a Butterfly, um, the reason it, it, it fell to three for me, it, 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 I, I felt wrong having it anywhere outside of like my top four. Because like I said, these albums are pretty undeniable undeniably perfect albums in my opinion um and when you when you look through butterfly you know coming off good kid mad city you really saw that kendrick has every tool you'd want from someone that could be the greatest rapper alive um lyrical ability um inventiveness in terms of beat and artistic direction uh and then you mix that in with with meaningfulness and you're kind of left with this artist who you feel like could be the artist of a generation in a way and this really was like his his, uh him transcending to like another plane when he was already like a top three or four rapper alive and i think establishing himself as a number one because Tim butterfly not only does it have such a, a significant cultural um uh I'm going back to critique, but just like it magnifies, I think the, the, the things that uh, minority people go through, especially the black community go through. Um, But it does it in a way that is heartbreaking and uplifting and inspiring and devastating in so many different ways. And not only does Kendrick, I think create an album that has, bangers on it but also an album that you look back on you're like this is a meaningful album and it's all tied together with the poetry on it you know from you know verse to verse on it and just uh 
really impressive the, the way he crafted this all together. Tell me what made this your number two. Uh, yeah, I agree with everything you said there. Um, Jimmy Butterfly is black music for black people. And Kendrick is kind of the, the perfect uh, person to make that kind of music and actually make that message for his community. And you think of the people he collaborated with on this, people like Thundercat and Kamasi Washington, right? And have even like big flexes like George Clinton. You know, it's everything is so precise in how he wants to make this jazz and soul inspired rap album. But also he's speaking to his community in a variety of ways. You have like the sheer anger with a song like The Black or the Berry. And then you have more like um, triumphant songs like All Right songs that you can listen to on their own and really enjoy, but also appreciate as part of the, the bigger message, of course. Um, and, you know, then you have something like King Kunta, again, something that's mm-hmm. incredibly black from a sonic perspective, but also is really enjoyable to sound its own. Um, yeah, it's uh, going to be hard to see something come out again that can like kind of match like the, just the ambition that this album showcase when it came out in 2015 like Kendrick Lamar's damn you know I don't know mention great record but that's just I think smaller in scope overall it's more about Kendrick personally again my good kid but Tim Butterfly is kind of just the statement about uh, black people's place in the world at that time mm. and still very very resonant today um, yeah it's uh you, you could talk about this album for hours I'd recommend the uh dissect podcast about this if you want to get really in depth but yeah i mean kendrick lamar has been the top of the game for the past uh seven years or so and you know until someone can make something as instant classic worthy as this you know he's not leaving the pedestal i'm not leaving um so that was your number two my number two uh, Vampire Weekend, Man- Modern Vampires of the City, 2014. Also an easy lock for the betters at home. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I talked a, quite a bit about it when we were talking about uh, Vampire Weekend's newer album from this year, which, spoiler alert, will be on my end of 2019 best music uh, list as well. But Modern Vampires of the City, Vampire Weekend up to this point was this... Up, upper class punk rock band that infused, you know, <laughs> punk, um, rock. Uh, punk pop rock, I guess. Uh, you know, it's interesting because there are elements of punk on there. It's, it's like, uh, it's, it's Oxford punk. We'll put it that way. Yes. Yeah. This they're too waspy for that though. Yeah. Wa- waspy is a good word. Um, but they, they infuse so many other types of, um, of genres and elements from different parts of the world. And on this album, not only I think is this Ezra's uh, best song writing of his career, but it's also, I think when you hear them starting to take some chances uh, and I think that's, that's mostly because of Rostam um, and the way that he was able to kind of like help Ezra really hone the direction that they wanted to go in and talk about love and talk about relationships while also kind of talking about, 
just like having fun at a party, dying young, enjoying the night. Um, but doing it in a way that feels so very vampire weekend tight. The instrumentals are great. Um, and it's unique. Um, you know, for, for those who maybe don't like the, the softness of vampire weekend and they're, that's been a lot of the feedback I've gotten from people like you and some of some of our listeners seeing them live, I think will help you kind of understand a little bit more um, their greatness and sure that might not speak much to album of the decade, but I think it's undeniable to say that modern vampire of the city is a expertly crafted written and produced album. So uh, my number two um, and only behind, I think our shared number one, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy. Oh no! I actually picked uh, the 1975. Sorry, the I think I, <laughs> I figured that would. I, I thought that would crack a list somewhere. I think we're still going to hear from them. I'm guessing <laughs> from you, but yeah, Kanye West, my beautiful dark twisted fantasy, Dave. Why? Why 2010? I mean, this is this was summer 2010, mm-hmm. beginning of the decade, and you think that this has remained the best decade, best album of the decade? Yeah, I mean, I would not quibble with people that to a butterfly above this at all. Um, they're very different. And, uh, but I think my beautiful Dr. Fantasy, we, we've said this a lot as it being the best Kanye album, but it, it's certainly the best of this new period. Kanye post, you know, the Taylor Swift moment when he really just started to lean in to who he felt he really is just being someone who's very vain and, uh, uh, I said maximalist before, but I think it really fits just in terms of all of the Kanye and bold capital letters, you know, what does that mean? And, you know, he's always been the, the, the tinkering genius, but like the legend of how this album was made in Hawaii with all of these legendary sessions is pretty uh, famous at this point, but you have all these collaborators and you think of like those stories of how like, all the lights has background vocals from like fucking 50 people Elton that you John, Rihanna, like a million people, Ellie yeah. Jackson from fucking LaRue. It's like mm-hmm. this whole Motley crew, Fergie, whoever, right? Yeah. Like there's so many people. And it's like, that's the kind of thing that only Kanye would do. Mm-hmm. Cause it's the stuff that he actually <laughs> hears and like cares about. Right. But you just go through this track list. And with the exception of this one song that I just really do not enjoy on this. And that would be blame game. But, oh. Yeah, I don't like playing. Is it, is it the outro? It's the whole thing, really. I don't like it at all. Um, but other than that, like I used to not like Soul Paul as much. Now I actually quite like that as well. Um, you know, this album raised the profile of Bonnie Vare in a huge mm-hmm. way. Um, I think just overall, you can again pick moments on this because there's just so many bangers. You know, um, mm-hmm. perhaps the greatest Kanye song of all, "Runaway." You could certainly make that case is here. Uh, you have the reintroduction of Pusha T as Kanye's right-hand man, you know, solo Pusha, starting in earnest right at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is just, I think this is just Kanye at his peak you know, in most command of his creative powers, which is, again, is a quite varied and vast skill set. So yeah, uh, Dr. Fantasy, it's just, uh, uh, it's it's also filled with bangers. And I go, and we also have the, the int- uh, not introduction, but I think the, uh, Yep. Flag waving for Nicki Minaj as yes. being one of the elite rappers mm-hmm. with her scene stealing verse on Monster, where she kills Ross, Jay Z, and Kanye on a song that they all share. So there's so much to like, and I think it all it all really still still holds up today. Like it like mm-hmm. it just came out. 
there is so much to like. And uh, I mean, I think you spoke to it really well, but it's kind of funny because I, I look back and I think Devil in a New Dress might be the best Rick Ross song of the decade. Mm. Monster might be the best Nikki song of the decade. Runaway might be the best Kanye song of the decade and possibly even the best like Pusha feature of the decade. And there's been a lot of good Pusha features of the mm-hmm. decade. Sure. Um, this is just like everybody firing on all cylinders um, and so much talent worked on this. Like you talked about, um, it, you know, even on blame game, like sure. Maybe, maybe it's not everybody's favorite song, but John legend sounds fantastic on that song. Right. Um, and you got Rhea on there. Yeah. Lost in the world. You, you talk about, bon, you know, raising Bonnie Vare's profile. I think he kills it in lost in the world. Um, and then it leads into what I think is an awesome ending, a spoken word ending on who will survive in America, really like exclamating this album that, you know, I'm talking about the back half of the album starts off with this incredible run. You know, I talked about Janelle Monae earlier. This is, it's only rivaled, I think by this album for me in terms of songs, dark fantasy, gorgeous power, all the lights and monster all in a row. Like just, um, those five songs could be any artist's like best song. And, they right. were five in a row on account of the album. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Arc Fantasy is my favorite intro track of all time. Mm-hmm. Uh, just true immaculate banger. And then gorgeous Kanye is going bar for bar with Raekwon, who's bringing it. Yeah. Like, uh, it's, it's and and you got Cuddy on the hook on that. And <laughs> yeah. Cuddy sounds unbelievable on gorgeous. Just yep. so good. Um, er, yeah. Easily. Uh, my my album of the decade. I agree. You can. I think there's other albums that could have been up there. To put a butterfly to me, obviously, I would also maybe say Modern Vampire of the City if, for for those true rockheads who don't put the rap up there. But not nah, this list started with my beautiful dark twisted fantasy mm-hmm. for me. Very easy. Um, any any albums you want to shout out? Honorable mention. You're gonna see a lot of uh, Daft Punk, Random Access Memories. Was that something you had considered? Not no, nothing. I I never really loved it, but a lot uh, of people did. I didn't love the album, but I think we might be talking about one of those songs on my gotcha. songs for the decade list. What about a uh, Arctic Monkeys AM? Uh, it was like a, a back end honorable mention. Gotcha. Good album. Yeah, I think in terms of like harder rock sound, that's probably the most important rock album of the decade because that was actually something that was able to cross over into mainstream, you know, pop radio, yeah, absolutely, while still being truly rock music. You know, everything else since then is, you know, pop music first, then a little rock, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, almost a, 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 a antique in a certain sense. Um, also want to shout out Live Love ASAP, ASAP Rocky's debut mixtape from 2011. Um, also really helped shepherd in a new era of hip hop, a uh, new era for New York rap because it influenced, took influence from all other parts of the country. A really important album. You'll see a lot of love for the Robin albums, Body Talk at the beginning of the decade, Honey last year. Uh, Solange, a seat at the table. I don't mention for me. Scissors control. Um, you'll see some love for Grimes on other people's lists. Um, I guess we should mention Adele. Dropped two very well liked albums mm-hmm. this decade, twenty one, twenty five. Um, I think Tierra Whack Whack World deserves just a commendation just for the sheer audacity of the the album construction. Yep, very excited to see what we have next from her. And then um, lastly, just um, I think Drake released, I mean, this is, this has been the decade of Drake, right? But um, Take Care is widely celebrated as his best album. It still does hold up and 
was a true leveling up at the time. But I think if you're reading this, it's too late. That was Drake at his most celebratory, most victory lappy. And I've been revisiting that a lot. The, the retail mixtape as he sold at the time um, still holds up as well. Oh, and a shout out to uh, James Blake, Overgrown. Yeah, you, you got to a lot of the ones I was going to mention. Um, Coloring Book, I think, is also up there for me. Really enjoyed that album or mixtape, however you want to put it. And then I was thinking, if you had to pick a Taylor album from this decade, would you go Red or 1989? Red. Yeah. More hits. I agree. And I, I think even the ones that aren't hits are more solid. Um, but Also, we have the uh, final Tribe Called Quest album. We got it from yes. Thanks for your service in 2016. Really great. Kind of out of nowhere project, you know, in the, the wake of Five Dogs Death. death. Um, also, the, the Jai Paul album. We, yeah. We, uh, leak whatever bait ones mm-hmm. officially came out this year but leaked several years ago um not everything works on that album but it's just really really cool for for uh, i think what it represented at the time um yeah a lot, a lot of great shit you, you mentioned jamie xx that was a big one for me uh, i mentioned uh any of the tame impala albums come up for you um currents i guess maybe but you know it's hard um when I think of Tame Impala, for some reason, I don't necessarily think about their albums. Lonerism, was that 2010, I believe? Lonerism would be the one that I, I go back to most album-wise. Um, trying to see here when that came out. Yeah, Lonerism's it was 2012. 2012. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that would that would be maybe back in honorable mention as well. Um, trying to think if I had any others. Oh, I really enjoyed um, Spoon's uh most or not not most recent album hot thoughts yeah hot no not hot thoughts uh they want my soul from 2014 um but we'll we'll be talking about some of the albums that might have been honorable mention i think on on the songs list um any last thoughts about albums of the decade um like i said i was only picking one artist so i didn't pick uh yeezus yeezus certainly is uh worthy to me um Mm. i think yeezus gets better with age it's really good um, I also really like Pablo. I know you do too. Yeah. Good Kid, Mad City. I was gonna say, um, yeah. Channel Orange from Frank. You can make a case that your top ten is like Kendrick, Kanye, and Frank, and there's like two other people in it. Like you could <laughs> you could easily sell that list if you wanted to. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, I think <laughs> I think now it's like we're in such a a singles driven industry at this point. We're talking about songs in a second, but like. Mm-hmm songs or what people promote sometimes the album which is a compilation of previous release singles a lot of new artists do that way uh work that way at this point um you even seen rock right like the black midi dudes released several singles before uh schlagenheim ever came out mm-hmm. and the, the lines have blurred over what is a mixtape what is an ep what is an album i think younger people don't really know the distinction at all because in the grand scheme of things you're consuming all of them in the same exact way um the vinyl, old vinyl definitions don't really apply anymore mm-hmm. to megabytes, you yeah. know? Um, and with everything blurred, I, I do appreciate when artists try and set those expectations. Like Drake calling, if you're reading this, a retail mixtape. You could just call it a mixtape. Like now mixtapes all are cleared so they can be on streaming. That's just the way it is, right? The old school mixtape is dead. Mm-hmm. Um, but even if you just think about like pop and stuff, it's like, Something like Charlie XCX, who releases all kinds of music before she ever really considers releasing it all together. You know, uh, just seeing, seeing how the lines have blurred as streaming has become the, the dominant force in the industry has been a, 
interesting to watch. So I'm curious to see what kind of changes would be next. I feel like we've already seen so much change. You know, I'm not sure what's next, but yeah, looking forward yeah. to what's next. Yeah, whatever the, it might the, be. The the decade really highlighted the move from uh, hard copy to um, electronic, which is is good and bad, and we'll uh, we'll, we'll be interested to see what what's next, but. Uh, we'll definitely be um, we'll definitely be talking about it. So stay tuned. Um, so why don't we wrap up there for album and tune back in for our uh, our video on songs of the decade. What's up? And welcome back to Nostalgia, recapping the decade of the 2010s. Uh, joined by my co-host Dave Martinson, we're going to be talking our songs of the decade here, Dave. When you were putting together your songs of the 2010s, how did you go about it? What was your criteria? I wanted to capture songs that meant something when they came out, still mean something today. Um, there's a lot of sounds that don't really, we don't really get anymore, but I think we can still look back on those songs, examples of those songs now and appreciate what was accomplished at the time. Um, funny enough, I have three songs from 2012 and two from 2011 and one hmm. from 2010. So that is inherently more than half of the list <laughs> in the first three years of the decade. Um, yeah. And of course, I have lots of honorable mentions as well. But um, yeah, I just wanted to pick songs I think still mean something. You know, I mean, when you're making a list like this, you can you can make a list that's based on popularity and sales and stuff. That's what Billboard will do. Mm-hmm. I don't see the value in that. The songs are already popular. There's no need to point them out in that way. I think it's more important to focus on, uh, you know, what what what's more important. What's uh, what's whether that's just quality or influence or a special moment, whatever it might be. Um, on the other hand, I think sometimes people flock to oh, let me pick like an album deep cut as opposed to the obvious choice. Sure. I think sometimes that's like overthinking it or maybe getting in the way. You know, sometimes the uh, the biggest hit is in fact the best choice from that project. So mm-hmm. kind of depends, but yeah, uh, as, as with albums, there's so much to consider, you know, so many genres and stuff. And ultimately is a matter of taste. So, yep. you know, it's all about if you can make the case to yourself, I guess. <laughs> um, there, I think there's a lot of different ways you can go about it. And you t- touched on a lot of them for me. I wanted to try to get a good mix of songs on here that, that were influential in different ways. I also wanted to get songs that uh, I felt like were really quality songs, but also maybe um, said something about when they came out or the decade in some way. So um, I think we'll, we'll see as I go through my list that I was trying to um, highlight some different things. And actually I'll, I'll kick it off in number 10 here. Cause I think this is a, a good place to start. So um, I put get lucky by Daft Punk as my number 10 song of the decade. And I wanted to have an EDM song on here. And, you know, when, uh, when this came out in 2013, there was this real like uh, excitement because Daft Punk is just legendary at this point, you know, in the EDM world. And uh, they, they go like radio silent for a while and they come back and they will, will just drop hits and then they'll disappear again. And who knows when we'll see them. Um, but 
when this song came out, I think it premiered on a commercial or something like that. And it's just four bars. It's a guitar lick by Niles Rogers from Chic. Um, and then you get Pharrell singing over it in falsetto. And it's catchy as hell. And that song dominated 2013 in a lot of ways. And uh, I think it also, in a way, really influenced um, the way pop and EDM started were, were already kind of merging together but really like i think tried to influence more like dancey's sound into edm pop um and i think this also in a way pharrell was obviously already big at the time but i think this kind of started to catapult him into more of a a star um as like just a leading man as himself um Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, I wanted to have one EDM song on here and I felt like this one, this or Latch by Disclosure were the ones that kind of came to mind for me for the decade. Might have Latch coming up. Ooh, say. look at that tease. What's your number 10? My number 10 is Yonkers by Tyler the Creator, 2011. Wolf um, Haley. Yeah. So this is his first single from Goblin, first major label Uh single a lot of times the first thing anyone ever heard obviously coming off his bastard mixtape in the early odd future project and what are the 12 odd future songs it was called and this is a this tyler's gone wolf haley odd future tyler is totally gone listen to flower boy and igor uh tyler has evolved and became a really impressive artist that's a result um we'll be talking about igor when we talk about our albums of the year yeah um but Yonkers is really important because this, uh, you know, kicking off this ultimately short odd future wave, which in a sense is a precursor to the SoundCloud rap era in terms of melding punk energy with hip hop. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yonkers is like a, is like a shot out of a cannon and you get like the early, what early Tyler was saying whatever the fuck came to his mind, no filter at all, but also making this really raw uh, hip hop that was really resonant with young people at that time. And, you know, Yonkers, you listen, listen to the bars now and it's like, good grief. There's no, he, he would totally disown everything he said at the time, but mm-hmm. um, and he, like, he meant, meant it seriously then either. But um when I just think of that early, what early hip hop was in the, you know, 2011s, you have the rise of Drake, Kendrick starting to really pop up on the internet for like the, the really in the know people. Mm-hmm. Kanye fresh off his crowning achievement. We also have the new wave starting and the new wave at that time was, was odd future was Tyler the creator. It just, just this brash. I don't give a fuck attitude that the new generation was espousing. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think Yonkers uh, still goes. Yeah, still still goes, but uh, it's on. Def- definitely also a relic of its time, mm-hmm. for for sure. Um, but yeah, I feel like I could still wrap the whole thing somehow, which is uh, just amazing how it kind of sticks in your brain. Um, good good choice. My number nine, moving on, is "Bodak Yellow" by Cardi B. Ooh, um, this was my song of the year in 2017 um and it's kind of changed a little bit for me so at that time you know it was a song that uh just like everybody loved it brought people together and it's still a banger of a song you know it's it was the 
it came out before invasion of privacy in 2018, but really put Cardi on the map. Um, but I feel like this also in a way was like the kickoff to what has become a bit of a movement in terms of female rap artists really beginning to get the, the attention they deserve. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't say Cardi is the the best technical rapper of them all, but man, can she make a hit? And uh, I think Bodak Yellow was the first sign of that. Um, and it also just kind of sticks in your head. Uh, and I think any song that can be the, the, uh, the guiding ship uh, or the, the first step towards these female rappers and getting that shine is deserving of being on a best of decade list, especially as they've really come on here at the end of the decade with uh, Megan the stallion. And, you know, we talk about like uh, Rico nasty mm-hmm. cupcake last year. I mean, so many of them. So uh, no name uh, TR whack. So, uh, number nine or for me was Bodak Yellow. What's your number nine? Shout out Paris and Fontaine. Get some of the points for Bodak Yellow. <laughs> uh, number nine for me is a bit of a vanity pick. This is 212 by Azealia Banks, uh, 2011 as well. Uh, her debut single and the best song she ever made. And unfortunately, now, now rem- re- remains, exists as the what could have been for Azealia Banks because this is a song that also like Yonkers is shot of a cannon at the time and the energy that she exhibits on the mic on a kind of like dancey beat is almost, or I say it was ahead of its time. And it's just unfortunate that Azealia through mainly her, all of her own mistakes in terms of putting her foot in her mouth constantly was never able to really keep her career momentum going. But this was something that I think really it, it speaks to the moment. And now when you have viral rap songs that can actually go number one in the streaming age, right? We saw that later on with like Bad and Bougie and Black Beatles, right? Like the time has changed. This was before that. But I think this is one of those songs that definitely could have really kind of been an earworm for the whole country if it had come out in a different environment. Um, and kind of just represents like kind of a lost... Uh, lost moment i think and like an energy that hip-hop kind of left behind for a few years as banks became more and more discredited by you know the average person due to her own mistakes so yeah two and two i think you'll see this on some lists and maybe not this high but um kind of just like a, a perfect storm song when it came out it's unfortunate that we didn't get more more in this ilk uh i actually do not know that song so I'll have to go back and, and make sure I educate myself on that. Um, good, good choice though. I think, I think you'll get some good feedback on that. Number eight for me, uh, James Blake's retrograde from 2013. That's a good one. Yeah. You know, I, I don't love a ton of the, the early James Blake stuff. Some of it, I really like some of it, not, I really like his newer album from this year. Mm. Um, but retrograde, is so expertly crafted that it actually is made in the way that a retrograde moves, uh, the way that the song is constructed, which is just like on another level of like craftsmanship to me. But the song is also just excellent. Um, and it has these like eight, these like moments where it rises up at the chorus and you have like these like, uh, you have James Blake kind of layering his own voice over itself and, 
um, it just really, yeah, it, it's earwormy to me and it sticks in my head. Um, but I think it also speaks to James Blake as an artist. And uh, I think a bit of the, the craftsmanship of like the, the EDM, I don't know, is he EDM indie auteur kind of, it's like hard yeah. to really put him in a box. I don't even know if I would say EDM at all. Um, electronic. Yeah. Electronic. Yeah. That kind of catch all we yeah. use, right? Yeah. Sure. <laughs> hard to, hard, hard to classify. No doubt. Yeah. And I think that that also, uh, kind of symbolize something of the decade where we've had a lot of people who are like bending the, the idea of genre and, and the, the boundaries of them. So, um, James Blake's retrograde from 2013, my number eight, what do you got? I have them changes by hmm. Thundercat. Wow. Um, definitely. I think this, this might be the least heard of all the songs they picked. Um, probably the songs you pick too. Mm-hmm. Not that Thundercat's an unknown or anything, but just he's more famous for his work he does with other people than his actual own own stuff, right? But he has a lot of music on Brain Feeder. And if you want to listen to that, you want to listen to him. He's a multi-instrumentalist and just a impeccable talent. You can really groove to what he, what he makes. Mm-hmm. And for me, this I think is just his most accessible song, at least that I've heard from him as a solo artist. Uh, it's a really simple really simple groove but it sounds great you can go on uh i believe it was uh was it bbc live lounge i believe it was ariana grande did a cover of this promote when she was promoting sweetener and it sounds so good and it's like yeah man thundercat uh i would not mind him having some of him own legitimate hits to himself because that guy makes uh just really smooth shit so them changes from 2015 wow Dave Thundercat on the list did not see that coming. Good, good choice though. Um, my number seven is Spoon Inside Out um, from uh, They Want My Soul. Uh, so yeah, 2014 uh, Spoon, this band that's uh, you know classic rock band from I think they're from like Philly or somewhere around there, and they're 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 a tight rock band who plays their instruments expertly and makes well-crafted songs that are pretty catchy and then they drop inside out which is kind of like the the centerpiece of probably their most well-received at least critically album and it just like made me think that spoon could be so much more than they were and you kind of see that on hot thoughts where they start to experiment a little bit more with moving into uh uh, you know, that again that catch-all phrase like using electronic sound in there but the way that, that they craft this like uh airy trancy uh song that uses harps and all these different kinds of sounds um to be just this totally infectious and uh entrancing track uh, i come back to it a lot and i really enjoy um, this song, uh, I think it's one. Of, I think it's one of the best of the decade, just in terms of craftsmanship and um, Britt Daniels. Also, some some great songwriting on here. So, Spoon, Inside Out, my number seven. What do you got, number seven? My number seven is your probably your favorite song on the list. Uh, Love it if we made it by the 1975. <laughs> Came out just uh, last summer, last July, 2018. From uh, the 1975s, was that their second, third album? I forget. Um, but, you know, I didn't love that album. We talked a lot about it, actually, in terms of how we classify them 
and the evol- evolving definition of rock music in today's world and uh, a lot of interesting things to discuss. I don't think any of that's uh, any, the book is closed on any of those discussions, to be honest, as rock teams to change. But um, they're, they're single from that. Love it if we made it, I think is just, you know, the, the catch all cliche definition that it's the millennial. We didn't start the fire uh, on the merits is kind of a, kind of an apt description. And it's, it's much more uh, frantic and scattershot like the lives of millennials. So I thought I, I actually kind of just find the find the vibe actually really, uh, really enjoyable. I know you're not a big Matt Healy guy. You don't like those <laughs> vocals or anything, but I think, I think in terms of like message and uh, resonance, this is the closest I can get to a, a rock song, like a straight up song that has made any kind of impact. I think that's going to last. So number seven for me, love it. If you made it, uh, no, no comment on any of this. <laughs> I want to move on to number six. I wanted to have a Beyonce song on here and, you know, Ooh. I think there's, there's culturally probably a, a bigger case to be made for a song like formation or run yeah. the world girls. But I, I also just wanted to pick some, yeah, drunken love, amazing song. I just wanted to pick something that I really love um, from Beyonce. And that's Hold Up from, uh, from uh, Lemonade. Man, just the way that that song bounces and she in, uh, infuses um, this like uh, Caribbean type vibe into it um, just really stands out. You know, this is a song that was worked on by Ezra Koenig from Vampire Weekend and Diplo. Um, Talk about like uh, a duo of people to be crafting that song with with Beyonce, but this also, in a way, kind of felt like Beyonce. Um, I think, um, uh, capturing the feeling that was emerging, and she's she's always been uh, a female empowerment artist, but I think kind of capturing this idea, like, um, in the music video pairs this well of this woman who is just like done, done taking it. And like stepping up and like kind of like breaking the mold, uh, not not taking that like like shit from guys anymore. You know, the music video, she's like destroying everything with a bat as she walks around. And yep. the song comes off as very sweet, but like really has like this biting undertone to it. And it feels like it just kind of encapsulates, I, I feel like, what Beyonce um, did really well as an artist, which is that I think like empower women to to not have to be in that mold anymore. So I felt like Hold Up from Beyonce was my number six song of the decade. What do you got, number six? My number six is a song that I just teased before. Latch by Disclosure. Ba-ba. And this is the best EDM song of the decade. You can make a, you can make a case for Levels, which really kicked it off, you know. Uh, I think Light of Avicii's Passing. Mm-hmm. I think everyone looks back pretty warmly on that song. But Disclosure, and again, we're, we're eagerly anticipating that next album from them. They've only released two. But when Latch comes out in 2012, it kind of represents this new style for electronic music. You know, the, the bro, um, bro step wave is beginning to crest. The trap domination of EDM is being the crest. And ultimately, EDM is going to go in a direction that's not very interesting, right? We're going to see the domination of people like Martin Garrix and Kygo and um, 
you know, just stuff that's really and a marshmallow, of course, you know, music that's just not a not very deep and only is just made for the playlist, made for the radio. It's not um not that special. It's pretty boilerplate stuff. Mm-hmm. But disclosure actually just through more detailed production and more inspired samples and stuff is I think making electronic music that's much more I think valuable and actually like kind of lasts after it comes out in like the 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 radio wave ends. And Latch also doubles as the you know the the flag wave for Sam Smith. You know, talk about inspired features. You have an amazing vocalist that no one has really heard of before when you put this out. And it's kind of just like a double a double whammy in that regard. So Latch yeah. from Disclosure. I believe I believe it was their debut single, I'm not sure. But yeah, twenty twelve. It's been a while now. Yeah. Uh Latch was going to be on my list like I had talked about earlier for all the reasons you talked about, but mostly like you have maybe one of the best EDM duos and one of the best singers of the mm-hmm. the decade, you know, just kind of rising out from this single, um, just bursting on the scene. So a uh, huge moment. My number five, talking about someone bursting on the scene, Lord Royals 2013. Oh, nice. Um, not not only a song that's just a really well made pop song that was everywhere when it came out, um, but a song that kind of talks about the plight of uh, normal people, um, you know, people that want to make it and want to make it big, but you know their their ambitions are not what are seen regular celebrity or or maybe people dream of, um, and I think it also just brings about Lord who we just talked about dropped one of our albums of the decade um, is probably one of the, I'd say best pop stars that we have out there right now in terms of actual quality. Yep. And she, she's unique and this song is unique uh, for, for a pop song. Um, She was 16 when it came out. And you think about, who was big, like who's big this year with Billie Eilish. It yep. feels hard to imagine someone like Billie Eilish being as popular as she is now without Lord in uh, yep. being who Definitely. she was. So um, big moment in 2013. Who do you got? Number five. Number five for me is ultimately a very simple choice. Teenage dream by Katy Perry, 2010. Best uh, pop song of the decade. It's just pop perfection. And that bridge is the best bridge of the decade. Like pure iconic shit from the fucking get go. And this is this, like, you know, it wasn't her first hit. We had heard California girls and stuff. And even before that, like I kissed a girl hot and here or um, hot and cold, right? Like she had a lot of hits already, but when this comes out and you're like, yeah, Katy Perry and like, not that she made the song only on her own. She had a lot of help with, with creating this definitely a label. Um, focus but Katy Perry was a force for the first half of the decade in a major way in terms of just making like bombastic mainstream pop music that is frankly just undeniable stuff you know and I've always I just kind of been disappointed ever since Witness and I've gotten since then that we haven't been able to get back to this is because it's like Katy Perry was just like untouchable for a few years and I think this is really what started that so yeah don't have much to say it's just uh, pure pop perfection teenage dream yeah uh well said it really is pop perfection uh great 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 choice number four kendrick lamar's all right um 
from nice. Tip of Butterfly, which we just talked about on our uh, best albums of the decade list. Um, yeah, I mean, All Right just feels like an anthem for uh, for Black people, for minorities, for people who are struggling. And I think it uh, perfectly encapsulates what that album represented. But I think also um, kind of, I think, how a lot of people during the decade felt that, you know, All Right isn't about fixing things, but just surviving, moving forward, keeping keeping on keeping on. So, uh, you know, the fact that it's a banger of a song helps. But uh, yeah, just felt like it needed to be on here. So my number four, All Right by Kendrick Lamar. What do you got number four? Number four for me is Exo Tour Life by Lil Uzi Vert. Uh, similar to Love It If We Made It, I think it's just a song that really resonates with a certain uh, generation of people. You know, this was a song that Uzi just kind of threw out in SoundCloud, a bunch of other songs. It was supposed to just hold people over before Love is Rage 2 came out in the summer of 2017. But, you know, the All My Friends Are Dead pushed me to the edge. You know, Zanny's Take the Pain Away. It just had a lot of lyrics that really resonate with people, especially young people. And, you know, like, I think, what was the jargon at the time? It's like, uh, it's uh, Gen Z, Stairway to Heaven, I think I remember hearing. Um <laughs> A little hyperbolic, but funny to think about. Uh, But yeah, I think Uzi, you know, with this song, Uzi became someone who people like, oh, wait, there's actually a lot more under the hood with little Uzi first than just a fun delivery and manic energy out of Philly, right? There's way more going on here. I think this song uh, does, is is staying the test of time. You know, I I think it's, it's one of the more important, hip-hop songs from this new class over the last few years i put this right up there with maybe you can maybe pick like a cardi song or something but this i think is you know in terms of, and they also i mean if you go to any shows for really anyone hip-hop at all if a dj plays this one the the warm people up this gets a huge pop incredibly fast and you think about people saying every lyrics live in a setting like that. And then you think about what these lyrics are and how dark this song actually is. Um, mm-hmm. You can just tell it's made a big impact on people. So yeah, good yeah, choice. Life. My number three, um, I talked about also on our albums of the decade list, uh, dance yourself queen by LCD sound system. Um, just a awesome dance rock song. Uh, it has one of the best drops uh, halfway through any song that I can ever remember. Uh, Kid Cudi used it on a mixtape, um, which I think speaks to uh, the the impact it had um, in many realms. I guess I've heard the song. Then. You you definitely have. Um, uh, only only the the first part of it though, so you didn't hear the drop. Um, and yeah, just overall, uh, I think that this there's a lot of good songs off the LCD record, but that just feels like it also just captures oh, this this feeling like this that you know uh you're you're holding everybody's holding on to all these struggles all these things that they deal with all these things that kind of hamper them down and sometimes you just need to go out and just let it all loose and i think that drop embodies that perfectly so uh dance yourself clean my number three what do you got number three number three for me is Redbone by childish gambino wow Don Glover came out fall 2016, right before Waking My Love came out. And this kind of just represents my overall thoughts about Don Glover evolving as an artist. 
and like the maturation that that had, uh, you know, for, for his music. Um, Redbone, which is the second single after me and your mama, um, which is also an amazing song, but like when it, when it, when it comes out and you're like, wait a minute, DG is going to make all this like Afro fusion shit. He's going to make all this soul music now. This is fucking wild. And newsflash, it's a lot better than a lot of the struggle bars that he used to do. And, you know, you think about the legacy this song has had, an amazing drop in Get Out, Mm. being in the movie, you know. Um, When he performs it, it gets a huge rendition from the crowd. I think people just love this shit. But it's unlike a lot of other stuff that has come out since then. Even if you separate his hip hop nature and just think about like what Redbone is, it's it's really just a throwback song. But um, it's it's one of those songs that's really like stuck with me, lasted with me since it's come out, and I always re- I revisit it pretty frequently. So, you know, Redbone, it's a it's a banger, but it's a unique banger. Uh, a surprising choice, but inspired as well. It's a really good song. Um, my number two, moving on. The song we also talked about, Kanye West, Runaway. Like you said, this could be Kanye's best song. And uh, man, he, uh, him and Pusha on this, especially when they, when they perform at the, I think it was the VMAs when he first like performed this live. Um, and he had the, you know, the mixing board and everything. It's, uh, it just really stands out as a moment. And I think this, it, it encapsulates again something we talked about which is you know the idea of like embracing your flaws embracing the the horrible parts of you and uh some some of the songs you talked about on the list are about embracing that part and how you move forward and this one's more about like just sitting in that muck and embracing how much of a piece of shit you are and this song does that perfectly it's like eight minutes but the whole time you're enthralled i mean uh, one of my uh, we, we've we both seen Kanye live. And for those who haven't, I would recommend it just because it always is an experience, but now with Joel Osteen, <laughs> but there's, there's this one very vivid memory. I remember on the Yeezus tour of him with the mask on and he walks out to the, the stage and he just presses the first key and the whole crowd just goes crazy. <laughs> and it just kind of speaks to the, the level of excitement that's around this song. And just, um, I think that also speaks to just the impact and how it resonates with so many people. So Runaway, my number two song of the decade. Dave, nice. you number two. Yes, yeah, so I, I, I think I was thinking this before. Yeah, we have completely different top tens. Pretty cool. Yeah, that's um, good. My number two is uh, from Kendrick Lamar, Good Kid, Mad City, uh, Money Trees, featuring J Rock. You know, I wanted to pick uh, a Good Kid song, considering I put Tip of a Butterfly on my album list. You know, I was thinking, mm-hmm. you know, Mad City's the banger. And there's other singles like Bitch Don't Kill My Vibe and stuff, but Swimming Pools. But Money Trees, I think, has always been my favorite song from the album. And also re- really, really rocks live. Um, but yeah, I think this is, uh, from a storytelling perspective, this has just been my always been my favorite Kendrick song. And uh, J-Rock's feature is incredible. So mm-hmm. yeah, I wanted to go with this one. Bit, a, bit of a bit of an album cut, you know, I think All Right, you picked All Right. That's um, yeah, more of a universal choice also an amazing song but yeah one with money trees it's a good one good choice all right we're on to our songs of the decade my number one we talked about her just this past year uh 2018 robin 
Dancing on My Own from 2010. My, my, my top three, all from the year 2010, which I find, find very wow. interesting. But yeah, Robin, Dancing on My Own. Um, uh, to me, this is, other than Katy Perry, this is uh, as close as you can get to a perfect pop song. Um, it's infectious. It's meaningful. It, um, I think it resonates with the, the decade. And, and you know, we talked about people like Lord, Billie Eilish, Kanye West. Um, these people who I think embrace their flaws and this song kind of does that as well. And also it probably had one of the most amazing Im- impacts I've ever seen on a crowd when a bunch of people in the subway just were all moshing together on a subway after a, a Robin concert jamming out to this song. Um, you don't find much joy in the subways of New York city, Dave, and any song that can <laughs> make people feel that way, I think has to be. And so you asked. <laughs> I, I suppose so um but yeah uh robin i think also an artist that gets a lot of like critical attention but i think in terms of popularity at least here in the state she, she hasn't at least from what i can i can tell no, hasn't gotten right. as much as she should and she's so quality and this song is just like pretty close to perfection so my number one nice what you got so my number one similar thinking to kendrick you know I picked Blonde for my best Frank album and put that on the album's list. Therefore, I wanted to pick a song from Channel Orange instead. So I picked Thinking About You. Hmm. Um, I believe this song won the Grammy. No, you can make a case for this or Pyramids. Depends which one you choose. Um, I didn't overthink this one like I did with Kendrick. Uh, And I think this is the best song on Channel Orange because it's, it's, I think it's the easiest to understand. Frank's pain, Frank's message, you know, in terms of heartbreak and emotion that he does. I mean, all of Channel Orange is the land, landmark album in terms of representing like transparency in mainstream R&B mm-hmm. for LGBT people. And thinking about you, I think is just the best example of that. That's probably why it became the most popular song on the album. So yeah, man. Frank, a lot of Frank love on this. But. I deserve it, though. He's yeah. a great artist, and certainly this decade he's, he's owned. So um, good choices. Any uh, honorable mentions you wanted to shout out here? Uh, yeah, actually, you know, I was thinking, um, for, back for the albums, um, Kid Cudi's Man on the Moon 1 came out in the fall of 09. So it misses the cutoff just barely, right? But I just want to shout that out because that's an album that had a profound impact on pop and hip hop in the, you know, the decade to follow. So mm-hmm. shout out that. Similar thought. Um, the Fame Monster from Lady Gaga yeah. came out a few months at the, the last few months of 2009 as well. Um, and Bad Romance is one of my favorite songs of all time. Hmm. Um, that song's incredible. So again, just misses. But uh, in terms of other songs to shout out, uh, you mentioned Formation from Beyonce. That was a good one. Um, you mentioned Bodak Yellow, which I had on here. Um, I'd shout out Bad Girls by MIA. Hmm. I'd shout out Sorry by Justin Bieber. Again, just thinking of the good pop music. Uh, for, uh, from Lord, I picked Team myself. Hmm. Um, think of all those viral songs that actually were also good songs like Black Beatles, mm-hmm. Bad and Bougie, uh, Bobby Shmurda's song. Um, that whole wave is now really taken off but all those songs i think are really important uh, from tonight higher ground 
you know, EDM hasn't had the best decade from a re-listenability standpoint, but that song's right there. The other ones we've mentioned earlier. Um, North North by Vince Staples. Yeah. In terms of West Coast vibes, it's right there. In terms of listenability, actual message, and being part of a bigger piece, which was Summertime 06, a great album. Um, yeah. I mean, you think we can we can look back at some of the albums we picked and there's lots of great songs on those albums, but yeah, I, th- I think that's that's about it for me. Um, I guess you could shout out someone like you from Adele, mm-hmm. uh, some of the big Taylor songs, you know. But um, yeah, I think I think we got it covered. Yeah, uh, just a couple I wanted to give a shout out to um, "Chandelier" by Sia. I felt like it was a really good song that sure. was hard to leave off. Um, someone like you by Adele. Um, you know, I kept kind of going back and forth between like uh, The Weeknd by SZA and Drew Barrymore just because I love Drew Barrymore so much. But I think The Weeknd is probably the better yep. song. Um, Boot Up, <laughs> just because yeah. it's so infectious and sure. really good like R&B pop song. Um, and then I also wanted to give a shout out to Mitski. Um, I thought either Nobody or Your Best American Girl easily could have made a top 10 list. Um, sure. She's another artist that doesn't get the love she deserves. So uh, that's it, Dave. The decade's over in music. How how close do the new Harry Styles come to your list? <laughs> Just missed, you know, not quite my tempo. But <laughs> um, please check out our other... A, a fine line between the lists. <laughs> uh, Dave, maybe we should all just be nice to people. Maybe we should all just be nice to each other. Uh, think stay tuned it. for that stuff. Actually, by the time you're hearing this, we've already reviewed the album. So <laughs> yeah. youtube.com slash NostalgiaPod. Um, yeah. Hey, Dave gave it the shout out. Also go on Twitter at NostalgiaPod um, and SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod as well. Give us your best of the decade. Hit us up on any of these places. Let us know what we got wrong or right or what you would change. And uh, yeah, we appreciate you. And we'll catch you in tw- the 2020s. Yeah.